friends, are you dreading holiday time travel this year? You know, that thing where you step into your family home and are instantly transformed into an awkward tween with no confidence, no power, and no voice? Listeners, does this sound familiar? Put that down, buddy. Dad can carve the turkey. No, it's okay, Dad. I can do it. You... you don't work with your hands. This is a job for a real man. Uh, Dad, I am a real man. I'm 37 years old. You're too gentle, son. It's held you back in life. Are, are we still talking about the turkey? Of course. Go see if your mother needs help setting the table. But I... Good talk, son. Good talk. Go, Eagles. Or this. Dad says you're still looking for a job. Is that what he said? Jesus, every year I have a job. Like, stretching or whatever? Like, isn't that more of a hobby? Like, stretching? Bryce, I'm a fucking yoga teacher for seven years now. When are you going to get, like, a big girl job? But yoga changes lives. Yeah, how about you change yours? Or this. Would you please pass the gravy? Honey, are you sure that's a good idea? What do you mean, Dad? Well, you know, you're, you're divorced, Back on the market and everything. You're right, Dad. You're right about everything. Hold the gravy. That's a good girl. Happy holidays. I'm so hungry. Can you relate to any of these situations? Then it's time for SACUP. SACUP is the first FDA-approved medication clinically proven to treat fits. Familially induced time travel syndrome. You're not 14 anymore. You're 40 and you have a 401k. God damn it. With SACUP, you can feel like an adult again. SACUP has demonstrated success in alleviating the following symptoms. Asshole brothers. Asshole mothers. Unavailable dads. Unapproving dads. Unaccountable dads. Grouchy, taciturn dads. Spineless, milk toast dads. Funny dads who'd rather joke away the pain than be authentic about their feelings. Divorced dads who remarried a woman barely older than you. Why is it always the dads? Siblings who think your degree in theater arts is bullshit. Siblings who have a degree in theater arts and won't shut up about it. What the fuck, Jerry? I'll, I'll edit that out in post. Aunts who can't remember your spouse's name. Grandparents who can't remember your name. Cousins seeking investors for their latest and greatest pyramid scheme. Yes, this time it's really going to work out. Not like the last seven times, not at all. Promise, cuz. SACUP works by providing you with an extra boost of confidence, healthy boundaries, and self-worth, which work together synergistically to combat your family's bullshit. It's humanely extracted from real, functional adults in our state-of-the-art facility in Fairfield, California, where these adult juices are compressed into pill form, marked up 7,000%, and delivered straight to you. Well, sort of. SACUP is available only by prescription. Let's hear from one of our satisfied customers. At first, I couldn't set any boundaries. But now that I take SACUP, when my grandma asks me if I'm still single, I ask her if she's still a racist. I used to feel stuck at family holidays. But now, I pop a SACUP, I stay for an hour, and then I pack up. Out by nine, and zero fucks given. Thanks, SACUP! Talk to your doctor about SACUP today. 
Namaste. I'm Chardonnay Morning, and I just took a charcoal, and I can feel it activating. And I'm Wolfheart. Mars is in retrograde, and I have pink eye. And welcome to our spiritual podcast. Knock off your shit! So, character. So, Gigi. What's this show about? Well, this is going to land a little late because we started recording during the holidays. And by the time this gets edited and published, the holidays will be over. But it might be a good time. Hopefully I don't land late. It's a period piece. <laughs> I think you made that joke in episode one. Okay, cool. Well, sorry. I don't, oh, Okay. Do you want to know how many times you repeat your jokes? A lot. Master? A lot. Jerry, how are you feeling after the holidays? Uh, tired. Tired. I'm feeling tired. I know a lot of people are feeling tired after the holidays. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm exhausted. How how were your holidays? Um, passive aggressive, but mm. really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a good time. Yep. Twyla. Did you spend it with your family? Yes, we did. Twyla made some homemade balls. Um Is there another kind? <laughs> um besides the balls on your chin? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh Twyla makes some great homemade meatballs. And actually, balls was the theme of our Christmas because we did like a progressive dinner around our our neighborhood. I think this concept is so amazing. Will you please explain to the one huge viewer. audience, <laughs> to, the, to the one listener we have who is probably already in your family and knows, but can you just tell everybody so, yeah, out there? yeah, I'll tell Twyla, even though she was there. <laughs> you start at one house and like have appetizers and drinks, and then everybody gets together and then walks across the street to another person's house for the main course. Then you walk to another person's house and then have dessert. So it's you're getting progressively drunker. I mean, you're progressively having a, a great time. Uh, but <laughs> Getting drunker with crazier and crazier <laughs> variations of neighbors. Yes. And so our family hosted dessert. So you got the most smashed version of the neighbors. Yes. And... We have great video of Bill Ginn because he has an apron, <laughs> a special apron that, you know, he wore actually for the first time I ever had a guy come to the house <laughs> oh, God. where you there's a piece of cloth over the apron that you pick up the cloth on the apron to like wipe your hands or whatever. But then a fake long penis is hanging out of the apron. <laughs> and it's really uncomfortable and it's for very him funny or for... for all of all of us just watching. <laughs> all of his daughters are just like oh, mortified. But like oh, literally God. there's this woman, this sweet neighbor who's like 90 years old in a walker leaving our house and my dad's like this way to the right, right this way, hon, <laughs> and he's using his schlong, his fake schlong to direct it like he's an air traffic controller. <laughs> Your dad was doing semaphore with a rubber dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I am the way I am. But Christmas was great. Hung over all day. I literally was like a piece of turd on a log. Um, <laughs> but joyful. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I might be the only person that actually had a good Christmas. Do you know why? Why? I didn't go anywhere. I didn't see anybody. Me and my fiance stayed home. We had our friend come down from LA with her dogs. And we had five dogs and three adults. 
and we sat in our pajamas and watched Great British Baking Show and ate homemade food that I made and didn't see anybody from my family. It was <laughs> glorious. Glorious. Sounds amazing. It was fantastic. And I realized that like it took me, I just turned 44. It took me really into my 40s to realize that was an option. Because so many of us feel so much pressure, like, oh no, it's Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, it's this, you have to spend it with your family, you have to go home, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to put up with their shit, and you have to suffer, whatever. No, you don't. You're a fucking adult. I'm an adult. I'm an adult now. And I set healthy boundaries. Where's my milky? I went milky. But Jer, this is what is so funny, because when I came in today, you were like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. From trying to be a perfect person. So from trying to be like, I need to be the best daughter, the best, you know, neighbor at the party, the best sister, the The funny one, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the light and easy and make everybody laugh one and all that stuff. And today, as I was driving home, I'm like, I am exhausted. There is no gas left in the tank and i like went into my bed and just like cried i was so tired Uh, and then i came over here to see you and you gave me great advice you said go ahead tell everyone your advice please go to the bathroom before you come here to record the show (laughs) what you don't like tiger stripes in your in your office's toilet (laughs) yeah uh, building maintenance has asked us not to return but um, no, you, you were talking, you were saying that you, f- you felt exhausted. The holidays are exceptionally challenging for so many of us. Suicide rates spike, depression goes up, anxiety. It's the worst during the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Why is that? There's so much in our cultural mythology about the holidays and what they mean and how they should be. Mm-hmm. Why is it then, if it's supposed to be full of warmth and cheer and family togetherness, why is depression the highest? Why are suicide rates the highest during the holidays and any other time? This really struck a chord with me because I came, I came and told you I was exhausted and sad and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, I just felt like I wasn't in like a joyful Christmas spirit. Like, oh, I should have the the beam of lights just radiating from me like all day long. And then what'd you say? Say it. Where did you get this idea? You're supposed to be joyful all the time. Bing! <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, oh. Ah. <laughs> because what happens if we have the story that we're supposed to be joyful during the holidays and family is supposed to be like this and we're supposed to be like that and it doesn't go that way, what happens next? We get sad. We get depressed, right? Because right. we're thinking that we should be a different way. Right. We're shitting all over ourselves. Shitting all over ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. This time of year, there are so many stories about what the holidays are supposed to feel like for us and family togetherness. It's in our cultural mythology. It's in the holiday movies. It's on Falala Lifetime. It's <laughs> in the Christmas cards and the songs and Like, it's Mm -hmm. part of the cultural story about what everything should be like. And the reason that a lot of us are depressed and get anxiety and have so much stress during the holidays is reality does not match that story. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. 
these stories, these cultural patterns we're supposed to match up to, it's a notion of perfection. Like this is what you're supposed to experience. This is who you're supposed to be. This is what your family is supposed to be. This is what other people are supposed to be. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sam's supposed to be polite and not have gastroesophageal reflux disease, but that's not the reality. There's a term for that. Do you know when like our story of something doesn't match the reality? You know what they call that? What? Cognitive dissonance. Dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I, I read that someplace. Yeah, it means reality doesn't match. Th- I was just going to say that. But it means reality doesn't match our thoughts about it. Mm. That instantly throws our brain into confusion. Yeah, that happens to me every 10 minutes, I would say. <laughs> it, it's happening several times a minute for most of us. Things happen. We have a story. It doesn't match the story. We judge. We're either judging the reality that it shouldn't be that way or we're judging the story we have that we shouldn't have that story, mm. right? So when you were feeling not so cheerful, not so ho-ho-ho and all that stuff with well, your I'm, family. I was feeling like a ho-ho-ho, but I wasn't feeling cheerful. <laughs> uh-huh. You were a ho, but you were a non-cheerful ho. You were a sad ho. Flashbacks to college. Honey, I'm ho-ho-ho. Mrs. Claus, where are you? I'm ready for you. Well, this is odd. Where in the H-E double hockey sticks is my wife? I'm in the bath, Chris. The bath? You're supposed to be in the kitchen when I get home. Oh, hiya, honey. Mrs. Claus, what are you doing in here? I'm taking an Epsom salt bath. Great for the joints. But it's the night before Christmas. It's the most stressful day of the year for me. I need you to rub my feet, cook me my dinner, and stroke my South Pole 25 times. It's tradition. Yeah, I don't feel like doing that tonight. What? Yeah, I'm just not up for that this year. Is this really my wife? What has gotten into you? It's funny. For the first time in 1,748 years, I actually feel like myself for the first time. What is this voice? What is this voice? This is not even my real voice. I was only doing that to sound sweeter. Fuck that. I'm a woke bitch now. Are you smoking these bath salts? No, Chris, but I did just eat half of a pot cookie and I feel magical. It's only legal in Colorado and California. You're a bad girl. I'm calling the ho-ho-po-po. Chris, listen to me, honey. I'm okay. I woke up today and I was on my way to fix your dinner in the crock pot like I do every morning. However, on my way to the kitchen, I stubbed my toe on one of your boots that was left out, which is a big pet peeve of mine, by the way, and I would appreciate it if you cleaned up your own shit for once. But anyway, it hurt so bad when I stubbed it that I yelled to the top of my lungs, shit, fucker! Mrs. Claus, that's naughty. That's what I thought. I haven't said a curse word my whole fucking life. I thought I was going to be struck down for not being nice. But something quite miraculous happened. Mrs. Narwhal next door heard me curse, so she came over to check up on me to see if I was okay. Mrs. Narwhal is on the naughty list. I told you I don't want you hanging around with her. Well, she was so nice about checking in on me. 
she actually said hearing me cuss was the first time she's heard me say something that wasn't perfect and it was refreshing to her. So she asked me if I wanted to get my nails done with her. She's now the Thelma to my Louise. Son of a Krampus! We ended up having the best day ever. We drank mimosas, laughed and chatted about life, took a walk around the NP. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize there was a lake behind your workshop with the most breathtaking views. Girls aren't allowed at Donner Lake. It's highly improper. Sorry about it. She opened my eyes to a whole new world. She even introduced me to Lizzo. Have you heard of her? She slays. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Slay? (laughs) My word. Mrs. Claus, I I don't know who this Lizzo is, She only won Best Music Video at the Soul Train Awards. Oh, Soul Train? The only train I know is the one that carries toys from the factory to the sleigh, so I can deliver them to good little boys and girls. Boring! I, uh, I don't know what you've done with my wife, Beatrice. She's a good girl. I don't even know who you are anymore, Mrs. Claus. Where's your Christmas spirit? Oh, about that? I don't know if I believe in Christmas anymore. God damn it! For fuck's sake, Mrs. Claus! Yeah, when we were out and about today, I saw all those parents going crazy shopping for their kids, threatening them that if they are bad, then no presents will come their way. It was bizarre, Chris. These parents, these... Things, things that will never create happiness or peace. Consumerism is a bunch of reindeer shit. I I don't know what to say anymore. But I'm hungry and enraged, so I'm going to go make myself some dinner for the first time in my life. Good job, honey. Proud of you. You deserve a fucking medal. Mm. Now, can you shut the door, please? You're letting the cold air in and my nipples are like icicles. Well, ah, now where was I? Oh, yeah. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Feeling bad as hell. Oh, Mrs. Claus, you've been a bad, bad. So, Jerry, what is this show about? This show is about why being bad feels pretty good. Ooh, <laughs> feeling bad. Bad. You've been Does a, feel good. You've been a bad, bad girl, Mrs. Claus. Mm-hmm. Mm, you little minx, Christmas minx. Yeah, or you could also call it why trying to be good all the time feels bad. Ugh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what this show is about. Now, what do we mean by what, that? Yeah, what does it mean to be good? Santa only comes if you're a good little boy or a good little girl, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't come to naughty boys and girls' houses. So we have to be good to get our, get our presents. We have to be good for Santa to come. Mm-hmm. Now, just at a real basic level, what does that tell us? If you want good things in life, you have to be good. Yes. And if you're not good, if you're bad, will you get your toys? No toys. No. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, okay, this look. bringing me back to Catholic Mass. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because Santa is just, a, he's serving, and you know, he's serving as a surrogate God for little kids. Mm. Little kids don't get God, but they get Santa. Mm. <laughs> right? So parent, and look, I'm not a parent, so I, I make no judgment That's about it. That's a parent. It. <laughs> well played. 10 points to Gryffindor. You never know. You might be a parent soon. I mean, you've been engaged for nine years, so. 20 points, Gryffindor. <laughs> House Ravenclaw does not agree. Um, Sorry, this episode's about being bad. It's true. It's true. <laughs> this is not about the religious part of this or anything else. It's just functional. How do we learn? As children, when we only understand it in very rudimentary ways. And Parents want us to be good because good children. Shut up at Target. (laughs) Shut up at Target and don't throw a tantrum. Mm -hmm. And share and speak politely and all the things we're trying to teach our kids, right? But the thing is, is that programming that we're taught does not go away when we we reach adulthood and we realize Santa's not real. (gasps) Did I just spoil it for anybody? You son of a (laughs) But when we realize Santa's not real... That programming that was installed in us from a very young age, you have to be good. You always have to be perfect. You have to be good or you won't get your toys. Mm -hmm. It remains. Mm -hmm. And there is a certain type Mm -hmm. of person that I consider myself among, and I think you're one of them too, a person with a lot of problems. A person... (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was going to be a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, that's true though. Well, it is. It is a compliment. Because you know what this person is called? A human being. Nice. Oh, a nice person. I'm a nice pro- person with a lot of problems. Well, nice people do have a lot of problems. Assholes, assholes don't actually have a lot of problems. They don't? Well, they have some, but they don't have as many as us. They're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to be good. Mm-hmm. We're trying to always be okay. And not make a mistake. Not make a mistake. We're trying to always not inconvenience other people and accommodate them. We're trying to be kind. It's exhausting. It's fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's not even possible. If you're living life with the correct amount of intensity, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to be a nice person and you're never going to step on anybody's toes and you're never going to offend yourself or others, you're never going to get into trouble, buckle up because life is going to be very, very dull. And then you're going to die with an empty life. Happy holidays. <laughs> no, it's true. We're told we should be nice people. What is a nice person? Are you asking me that? Uh-huh. Yeah, what does it mean to be nice? Ooh, I was told at a young age being nice is taking care of others before yourself. Ah, yes. Self-sacrifice. And so I've lived my life of, oh, I'm being nice by making sure everyone else is okay but myself. Yeah. And you're a middle child. <laughs> Yep, that explains a lot. <laughs> and middle children, I am too, by the way. And middle children, we are sort of the natural peacemakers and okay makers of the family. We go around making sure everybody's okay. We're sort of the glue that holds the different sides of the family together. Mm-hmm. We want other people to be happy. We want other people to be happy, even at the expense of our own needs. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that, it, you know, in the constellation of what a good person looks like, that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. to care for other people before yourself. Mm-hmm. No, that's a virtue. We're taught that's virtuous to do that. Who was the person that did that the best? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, but even bigger than Mother Teresa. Santa? 
close. Um, a lot. Think more ripped. Oh, with Jesus. less clothes. Yes, Jesus. Oh no, I was I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The ultimate symbol of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. that made it okay for the whole world. And we're taught, even if you're not, even if you didn't come from a religious family, mm-hmm. I, my family wasn't particularly religious. We got religious when we were in trouble or we needed something. Suddenly we went to church, but we weren't, mm-hmm. I wasn't really raised with religion. It was more casual religion. We went on Christmas, we went, we were in trouble. But it's part of the cultural zeitgeist that you grow up in. Self-sacrifice is virtuous. Mm. When I was a little kid, maybe nine or 10, and there was a big family dinner, like after a long day of like swimming in the pool and being at the beach. Well, I can't remember what we were doing, but it was in my aunt's house. She had a pool. And I have an older cousin who's a couple years older than me. And we had Kentucky Fried Chicken for dinner. Because it was like a long day and everybody's tired. Yeah, and everybody and just wanted diarrhea at the end of the day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody wanted mm-hmm. to just clutch their stomach and moan in agony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pee out so, their butts. Yeah. <laughs> Popcorn chicken. <laughs> this is a thing that it wasn't traumatic for me personally, but I witnessed it. And I still think about it even like. Mm, what happened? So we got Kentucky Fried Chicken and my uncle brought it and he put it on the table and my cousin who's just a couple years older than me she's like the oldest of us four cousins that grew up together she went in to get a piece of chicken for herself my aunt slapped her hand and scolded her very harshly for taking chicken first mm-hmm. and my cousin was visibly you know she was 12 or 13 or whatever visibly like shaken or shaken over this like mm-hmm. crushed over this you know she was gosh what a chicken uh-huh. <laughs> now look we're all adults and everything mm-hmm. in my, my no aunt. but that's sad yeah but and, what did that teach her, her at a young age how dare you take care of yourself first you're not allowed to good people don't take care of themselves first so is that like an origin of a trauma yes that is an originating trauma maybe for my cousin not for me mm. although i still remember it but mm-hmm. i didn't get slapped but i remember witnessing that and it got installed in me as no 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 you don't take care of yourself first. Bad people take care of themselves first. Mm-hmm. Now, this happens when we're kids and wow. our parents are trying to teach us to be good people. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us emerge into adulthood not realizing that program is still running us mm-hmm. and we're trying very hard to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I got very, very exhausted trying to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I, fi- I found myself constantly feeling. Like my own needs weren't met, feeling taken advantage of, feeling resentful that other people weren't doing the same for me, mm-hmm. creating a whole drama. I mean, literally this drama of I, I sacrificed myself to take care of other people is one of the central dramas of my life. Like I wrote it, I produced it, I directed it, I cast <laughs> it, I'm playing the starring role. <laughs> but when I'm like really going hard and there's no time for me, Oh, woe is me. All I do is just take care of other people. There's no time. There's no energy for me and nobody's taking care of me. I'm just putting other people first. Mm-hmm. It feels very true. Like that's the reality. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Yeah. But the, the, the truth is that's not my story. That's a trance that was given to me and I took it on as my own. It's a story that I took on and lived it like it was true. But it did not create a satisfying life for me, and it has not created satisfying lives for my clients that are also nice people. Mm. Because non-nice people don't have this struggle. So what's the difference between being nice and kind? 
being kind is sort of one of the things in the consolation of a nice person. You might say being kind is being thoughtful about other people, mm-hmm. being accommodating, not wanting to take up too much air in the room, not wanting to dominate conversations, not wanting to... You, Sam, are somebody that has exceptional uh, and very assiduous, what I would call conversational hygiene, where you sort of will talk for a while and then you become very conscious of the fact that you've been talking and you'll say... I've been talking for too long. What's going on with you? (laughs) And then we'll go back and forth like it's a television news interview where like, you know, you want to make sure there's balance in the conversation. That's a a type of kindness, right? Like we don't want to take up all the fried chicken. We don't want to (laughs) command all the attention or whatever it is, whatever resource is there for us to share. But was that also instilled in me at a young age then? of like being a good person means you're sharing the room in conversation. Because what if I really do want to talk a lot that night? What if I do like, what if what I want is to talk a lot? Mm-hmm. But it's like I stop myself so I can make sure everybody taking care of the room again. Right. And with that level of mental vigilance where you're trying to make sure everybody's getting mm-hmm. equal or fair shares of time and attention. At the end of that night, how do you feel? Exhausted. Right. <laughs> yeah, because now you have to now you have to be the one to measure that energy and make sure everybody gets their fair share. Now, look, I'm not saying that's not a good thing to do, and certainly for children, like we want children to have a notion that it's good to share, it's good to take turns because not everybody can go first, and sometimes mm-hmm. you'll go first, sometimes you won't. But as an adult. One of the things we have to be honest about is there's a scarcity mindset behind some of these rules, these sort of unspoken rules that we have, like, oh, I can't talk too much because if I talk too much, they won't get to talk as much. That's really not true. And like in any kind of meaningful relationship, that's not true. Sometimes you might call me up and spill your guts about what's going on with you, and I might not get a chance to say much. Now, if I'm creating a drama in my head about that, we have a dysfunctional relationship. Mm. But the next time it might be me. Like I remember I went through a breakup and I called you and you just listen to me. Just And we know I've had my fair share breakup. So Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this notion that there's not enough. Mm. There's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy. There's not enough attention. There's not enough care. And that is sometimes what informs this idea that. We have to be extra kind. We have to take turns. We have to, we have to mm. let other people go first and all this kind of stuff. As I said, it's not a bad thing to, to, to be kind, to be thoughtful. But there's a not-so-fine line between being kind and fair and being self-sacrificial in a way that it hurts you, that makes it so you have less to give. Something that I noticed for myself, and I especially lived it this year, is my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer in the fall of 2018. She passed away in April 2019. My grandfather had a series of hospitalizations throughout the year as his health declined. He passed away last month, or October. Um, my uncle passed away. I've had a lot of opportunity to confront this programming in myself. There has not been a lot of time and energy for me. and. I'm somebody that helps people for a living. Mm -hmm. So when my tank is empty, I can help other people less. Mm -hmm. 
I can't just continue to self-sacrifice. I'm not Jesus Christ. There's a finite amount I can give. You are still ripped like him, though. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> now, what is the difference? So let's talk about the difference between a gift and a sacrifice. Mm. So there's a very important distinction, and I sometimes lose it, especially during stressful or demanding times. A gift is this wine. Layer cake. Layer it out. Pino. P, no thanks. It's something that I often have to remind myself, especially during stressful times, because under stress, we will often revert to old ways of being. So we might cultivate healthier ways of being for ourselves, but under pressure, it's very easy to revert, to I'm go sorry, back. hold on a second. I need a sip of wine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's just me reverting back to my old that ways. That was a meaningful segue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So when I, I've been under a lot of stress this year and when I'm under stress, I sometimes go back to sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Now here's the difference. A gift you can give freely and it doesn't cost you your own life force. A sacrifice is cutting out a part of yourself to give to somebody else. It does hurt you. Ooh. Now we say during the holidays that gift giving is a wonderful thing to do, but that's all about the sacrifice. It's all about the original notion of sacrifice being the highest virtue. I actually have a uh, a new bumper sticker on my car that says the best things in life aren't things. And my little nephew saw it. He's four years old. And I said, look, Colt, look at this. The best things in life aren't things. And he looks up at me and he was like, boring. <laughs> he's, your ne- he's your nephew. All right. <laughs> But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know that the best things in life are like hanging out with your nephew and your niece. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Jumping on the trampoline in the rain. Right. In Darth Vader masks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave your foreplay out of this. <laughs> I like going to the dark side. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. So people always tell me, well, yeah, I get it. Sacrifice is bad. Take care of yourself. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I, you know. How am I supposed to not be such a nice person? And they can kind of, they can kind of phrase it in Who's like this a voice. I don't know. I don't actually know. Breezy. But speaking of the dark side, <laughs> the shadow. Yes, the shadow. What is the shadow? What are we talking about when we talk about the shadow? Okay, so earlier in the show, we talked about how it's the holidays, you're supposed to be merry and bright and cheerful, and then you're not really feeling that way, and now you're in denial of the reality. The story is you're supposed to be cheerful and bright and happy and funny, because it's Christmas and you're with your family and it's the season and all that (laughs) BS, right? (laughs) The reality is you might be feeling a little blue. So there are two stories. One is, I'm feeling blue. The other is, I should be feeling joyful and happy and cheerful. Mm-hmm. Story of my life, yes. Right. Now, which of those stories is more powerful for you in that moment? Repeat the stories again. One is, <laughs> I should be cheerful and happy and joyful. Uh-huh. And the other is, I'm feeling blue. Oh, the first one has more power. Right. So when the first one has more power, we shove the other one down. We shove it back. 
Mm-hmm. We try to suppress it. Mm-hmm. We try to hide it. We try to pretend like it's not there. Yes. And anything, whether it's a quality, a feeling, a story, anything about us, anything at all that we would rather hide, repress, or not have other people or ourselves know about. My big chin. Uh huh. <laughs> it goes into this archetype called mm. the shadow. shadow. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> like Peter Pan's shadow when it's shoved into the desk. <laughs> Don't include this. <laughs> okay, what is the shadow? So the shadow is, this is an idea from Carl Jung, who was a contemporary of Freud's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the shadow is a collection of all the parts of ourselves that we would rather hide or don't know about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't it obvious what it is, though? Can't you tell somebody's shadow, even though it looks like they're trying to hide it? Yes, you're reading ahead in the book, but yes, that's true. Oh, sorry. So there are some really important things about the shadow. One is, it's the collection of all the parts you would rather not know about or rather hide from the world. Mm-hmm. Two is, we project it onto other people. <laughs> We don't like those qualities or we don't know about them. So we can't deal with them when they're here at home with us. So what we do is we notice them in other people and then we judge other people for having that quality. The truth is we could not recognize it in other people if it didn't also live in some way right here at home. So you can't even recognize and you don't even get, you don't even get energetically tangled up with somebody else. And their qualities, unless it's a quality you judge about yourself. Mm. So here's an example. I get along with most everybody. I honestly make it like a driving theme in my life when I meet new people to find something to like about them. And for the most part, I succeed. Every once in a while, I'll meet somebody that just rubs me the wrong way. And when I encounter that person, first I sit in this story that it's something wrong with them. And then either I'll snap myself out of it or a well-meaning friend like you will say, hey, Jer, have you thought about the fact that maybe the reason you don't like that person is they're reflecting a part of you that you don't like? And I'll go, that is ridiculous. I am nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. (laughs) So sometimes I, here's a quality that I really don't like in other people sometimes, helplessness. I don't like, like, I have this story that the things that I know, the things that I can do, I, I self-taught. I took initiative. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do things by doing them and trying them. And when somebody comes to me and goes, I don't know how to do it. Sounds like me in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I don't know how to turn on a crock pot. I know how to mo- like use the it. microwave. Do it for me. Jerry. <laughs> so helplessness is a quality. Ooh. I really like it. Yeah. It it turns me off, right? Mm. Now, Jerry, do you see that reflected in your own life? I have to look hard because here's the thing about the shadow, right? We either don't know about it or don't want to. Mm-hmm. So it would be very easy for me to tell the story that, oh, no, no, that quality exists over there with other people. It's not my quality. But the truth is it wouldn't bug me so much in, in other people if it didn't also bug me here at home. So it's not easy to see. Here's the thing about the shadow. It's the shadow. It's in darkness. So it's not easy to see. It's part of our blind spot. 
right. <clears throat> Sorry. The shadow. <laughs> so these are qualities we don't like. So we will project them onto other people and pretend that they exist over there, but they don't exist here. They're not mm -hmm. our qualities. They're other people's qualities. Mm -hmm. But that is an illusion. Those qualities would not bug you if they didn't also live at home in your own personality. <laughs> mm. So it's very tempting to think, oh, no, 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 those, are, those qualities are over there. Those qualities belong to the other person, not to me. But when that's true, there's no emotional triggering that happens when you recognize that quality in other people. It's only when you have it yourself that you get bugged by it. I totally relate to that. Yeah? Because I think people that are, like, really sad, like people that are experiencing a lot of depression and like don't want to get up and like live life and do things. And that is a, that is a shadow for me because I can recognize that in myself. Like that I, I'm not that kind of person. No, I'm always nice and polite and positive kind and positive. <laughs> but I also have a lot of, you know, sadness and I can slip into depressions too. And so when I see that in other people, it's like, it's like a mirror to me. Of like, I don't want to look at that side of myself. So, so actually I can empathize a lot with people that are going through depression because I get it, you know, but it also like is a trigger for me and yeah. hashtag triggered. Um, and Jerry, what about that word triggered? What should I say instead of triggered? Here's the thing about triggered, triggered, the word trigger and I'm triggered and I was triggered. It's very common right now for people to talk about being triggered and all this kind of stuff. Strictly speaking, triggering refers specifically and only to events which trigger PTSD episodes in people with diagnosed PTSD. Mm. But we've sort of adopted it in common parlance as like, this is the thing that bothered me. <laughs> so, what do you think I should say instead? I don't have any judgment about what you call it. I still use triggered. I try not to because I want to be reverent of people with actual. PTSD and actual trauma, but you know, there is, it's hard to, what, what do you call it? It bugged me. <laughs> the thing though about the thing, the thing that's also happening a lot with in mental health is we're adopting very serious language from things like PTSD and using it to apply to like a conflict we had at family dinner or with a coworker, and then it takes on the specter or Coachella, or or Coachella and it takes on the specter and seriousness of something that elicits mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a full-blown PTSD episode. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, it's great because there, there's something happening right now in our culture because there's a cultural shadow too. Mm. Our culture has collected. Tell me more. Tell me yes. more. Part of the shadow in this country and many countries in the West, well, I don't even know if it's in the West, but a part of the shadow, cultural shadow that we are dealing with now is mental illness. Mm -hmm. If you ask your parents if anybody on their block or anybody they knew had mental illness, they would say, oh no. Or maybe they would say, well, we knew that Aunt, Aunt Gladdy had it, but nobody ever talked about it. it was Aunt Sadie. Aunt Sadie. <laughs> They might say, yeah, you know, we didn't, we didn't really talk about it. Or no, 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 that was a terribly shameful thing. Because mental illness was not acceptable. It was not to be talked about. It was not to be discussed. It was shameful. Mm -hmm. Things that we're ashamed of. You know it's in the shadow when you're ashamed of it. Sweep it under the rug. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a cultural shadow at work too. And one of the things we're doing now is we're shining a light on those qualities and bringing them into the light of acceptance. 
So things we could never talk about before, Mm -hmm. mental illness, drug and alcohol addiction. But now we're making a conscious effort as a culture to shine a light on those qualities and get them out of the shadow, which I think is a very good thing. Are some shadows bigger than other? Or can you fully get rid of a shadow? Oh, that's such a great question. Oh my God, we could talk just about this the whole episode. And here's what I'll tell you. No, you cannot get rid of the shadow. It's impossible to get rid of your shadow. Because the act of trying to get rid of it continues to be a judgment that it's bad. And it affirms those qualities in the shadow as part of the shadow. You cannot go to war with the shadow. Does it make it bigger? Yes. If you try to fight your shadow or somebody else's shadow, it doesn't go down. It gets larger and more powerful and more dominant. Here's the thing about the shadow. As long as the qualities are there, they run us. The qualities that are in the shadow are much more powerful than they would be out in the open. When they go into the shadow, they assume additional power. They become more dominant in our lives. So for me, the shadow of helplessness, the quality of helplessness, became more dominant in me when it went into my shadow. Mm. Now, how would I try to get rid of that shadow? Well, I would try to learn everything and be as capable as possible. And I did that. But even though I became more capable and less helpless, it never got rid of it. It just found additional ways to let me be helpless. Here's how that looks, okay? I became more and more capable about, oh, how do I deal with depression? How do I deal with anxiety? What do I do about my back pain? What do I do about chronic fatigue? What do I do about dysfunctional relationships? And I learned all the techniques. And you know what I got to? Nothing works. I I tried to conquer the shadow. I went to war with it. And it got stronger. I became more helpless. Mm. When I tried to fight helplessness, I became more helpless. Despite having more skills, knowing more things, I had less power. It's like when I try to fight being sad. What happens when you try to fight being sad? I become more sad. Yes. And I just eat rolled tacos late at night. Rolled tacos, it sounds good. <laughs> just in a, using my tears as salsa. No, but, <laughs> but I think that what you've taught me, Jer, is like learning to love your shadow. My gosh, it's so important. Learning to befriend your shadow. So, you know, I I come to you being like, how do I get rid of sadness? I don't want sadness anymore. You're like, well, it's going to get worse if you don't allow that part of you to express itself. Yes. So you've given me great advice about like, there's like a little part of you, like your little, little Sam, like your little child self wanting to express that side of you. So find you know, moments in your day where it's like, hey, listen to the blues for 10 minutes. Right. Or get into your bed and like cry for 15 minutes. Right. Or be sad for 15 minutes and then- Ugly cry for 15 minutes. And then move on. And so so you're letting that part of your shadow out, right? Without a judgment on it. Yes. What Uh you're doing, yeah, what you're doing is you're bringing the light of acceptance and expression to those qualities. 
You're not trying to fight them. You're not trying to make them go away. You're not trying to hide them anymore because all of those things, what does it do? Build. Yes, it builds it and makes it stronger. The only way to really deal with the shadow in a healthy way is to shine the light of acceptance on it. Oh, it's hard to accept those like ugly sides of yourself. But it's the only thing that will heal and integrate you. People come into my office and basically they ask me, can you kill off all the bad parts of me? <laughs> they don't phrase it that way. <laughs> or they'll say, I'm scared to show you the bad parts of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some variation of that. They're talking about the shadow. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, no, I'm not an arms dealer, but we can end the war. You've taught me that the people in my life that that I want to be spending time with are the people that love me for my shadow. Yes. Because yes. it's exhausting just showing the light side, the happy side. And then, and then when people expect you to show up that way. And they will enforce that expectation. They will shame you for not showing up in the appropriate way. I don't mean to interrupt you. Were you, were you in the middle of a windup? I'm good. Thank you, though. <laughs> so, Thank you for being nice and kind. But you're still bad at the same time. <laughs> Here's the thing. If people are not familiar with this distinction, they're not in this dialogue with themselves about healing, growth, self-development. This sounds like woo-woo to them, and they're not. this is not available to them as a distinction, so they don't understand it. And, and those people will enforce their expectations. They will use shame. They will use humor. They will use all kinds of things to try to get you back into your lane to behave in the way that they expect. And they don't even know that they're doing it. And they don't think there's anything wrong with it. So I'll give you, an ex- I'll give you a personal example. This probably happened to me 15 years ago, but I'll never forget it. When you were 10? <laughs> I'm 44, sugar. <laughs> this is what 44 looks like. <laughs> Look at that sexy palindrome. One side of my mouth is drooping from my last stroke. So uh, I had plans with a friend on, on Saturday. This is years ago. And I was about to call my friend to confirm. And my dad called me. And he goes, hey, son, I just want to let you know I'm down here in New Mexico. Uh, I left your fucking <laughs> of a stepmom. I'm going to show that so she'll be missing. He sounds like a national treasure. He really is. He he needs to go the way of the movie National Treasure starring Nicolas Cage. Never see the light of day again. Um, He's part of my shadow. (laughs) But he, uh, yeah, he calls me up and he's like, oh, I'm in New Mexico and I'm going to head out to see you. Uh, My car broke down and uh, I'll I'll be in San Diego in a couple days. Got to go. And I was like, wait, what? Because my dad lives in Colorado. He got into a motorcycle accident. Him and my stepmom were having some problems and he left her. Uh Yeah. So (laughs) this was all news to me. And then I called my stepmom. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, your dad is, you know, he's, we're having problems and he's off his rocker and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, this happens on like a random Saturday. I had no idea this is going on. I live three states away. Then my friend calls. He's like, hey, you ready to hang out? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, what's going on? And I thought, oh, that's nice. He's noticing something in my voice, like that something is off. I said, oh, I just got a really uh, couple of weird calls from my folks. And I didn't realize they're having problems. And my dad is like, he's left my stepmom and his fifth wheel trailer and he's driving to San Diego. I don't know. It's really weird. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little distracted, but I'm, I'm fine. I'll get over it. And he goes, um, 
I don't want to hang out with uh, distracted, serious Jerry. Oh. I want to hang out with fun, funny Jerry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> now, at the time, I was like, okay, because oh, I'm a nice person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I will defer what I'm actually experiencing for your convenience so that I can be entertaining for you. But then when I sat with it and I was like, that's fucked. And we had a great conversation about it where I basically said, look, a real friend would be there for me regardless of what I'm experiencing. A real friend would not expect me to show up in a way that's convenient for them, especially when I'm going through a little something. Now, look, I wasn't miserable and dark and horrible. I was just like cracking a few less jokes than normal. Like, and then have a, somebody that calls themselves a friend come to you and say, um, you're not being funny enough. Fuck your, <laughs> fuck what you're going through Jeez. and, you know, step it, step up your game. I was like, er. that occurred mm-hmm. for me as a problem, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it led to a great conversation because it was about this very thing. By the way, you haven't told a joke in five minutes, so I know you... my whole life is a joke. Is can that you, enough? Can you entertain me? Dance, puppet, dance. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Sam, you and I are both people that uh, I can th- relate to that a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a th- theme running through both of our lives where we're like the funny one, the entertaining one that cracks a joke and puts on a show. And I remember early in our friendship, I, it was like you and me and Evan and maybe Katie, or, but there was some big you know theater nerd hangout or something. And I was like trying so hard to like make everybody laugh. And I became conscious of it. And I was like, this is fucking obnoxious. I am doing the most. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard this phrase, doing the most? Doing the most. I mean, I've never heard that phrase, but I feel like I'm living that phrase. <laughs> it's one so of my- extra all the time. Yes. It's a lot like being extra. But it's, it's, it comes from like, I was, I just like, it's so funny to me of like, like thinking back of like my yearbooks, like junior high yearbook, I was like voted wild and crazy gal. <laughs> and then like, you know, in high school, it's like class clown or Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live going to be on that, which is very nice things. But also like, yeah. I'm not just that or whatever, you know. And so, yes, when you I- are. You <laughs> exist to serve me and to make me laugh. Now, entertain me. So exhausting. Well, you wonder why freaking comedians are depressed. Oh Robin Williams, the funniest man alive. Terribly, terribly stricken with depression and self-loathing. And it's, you know, it's um, it's really exhausting. And it's it's also like, you know, I'll go to parties now of like high school friends or whatever. And they're like, oh, you do a funny bit or like do that <laughs> funny thing you do or like do that voice. Yeah, do that do voice. The, That's the one know? I always get. Do that funny voice you do of the motel clerk. <laughs> And I'm like, you could also ask me why I'm in crutches right now. I'm, right. I'm hurting. No, I'm Don't just... you see my makeup is running because I've been crying? But sure, I'll do your fucking bit. <laughs> just a court jester. Yeah. Yeah, and at some point you realize that and you became resentful, right? Yeah. And so if I'm resenting people, there is my shadow. There is the thing of like, I'm resenting myself for not setting healthy boundaries or yes. or feeling like I need to show up in a way to to make sure everyone else is okay versus myself. Yes. It takes a lot of work to undo those, you know, those stories that I've, you know, put in my head for so long. 
it's funny as I get older. Uh, I'm a 35 fucking year old dame right now. <laughs> but the older I get, like, I'm actually, I have less, you know, friends, I think. Like, I choose who I spend my time with very carefully. Like, you know, now I used to be like, I have a million and one friends and it's amazing. And I'm like, I don't need that anymore. That sounds friggin' exhausting. It is. It is. Now I can be like one-on-one quality time with somebody and like take a walk or whatever and be like, and I can show up how I want to show up. And I'm going to spend time with people where I can freaking be authentic if I'm mad yeah. or I'm sad or, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's funny, you know, it's fun to figure that out. Yeah. And I, I consider myself very blessed and honored to have witnessed you go through that evolution and, and I'm still going through it too, but to like have that awakening inside of you that's saying, no, I'm not going to go out and be funny court jester Sam tonight. I need to take care of myself and that's not going to do it. You've helped me a lot. It's only and... because I've gone through it. And, and I've seen the cost of denying the truth of what you're experiencing in myself and others. It's a very high cost. It's the high cost of being a good person. And, and that's what it usually comes down to is I always say to you, I'm like, I feel like I'm a bad person if I don't blah, blah, blah. Right? And then you've kind of helped me with like, well, maybe you, maybe, maybe you are a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Embrace it. Like, yeah. maybe that part of yourself, like, it's what would you name? calling out for expression. Yeah. What would you name that, that, that bitch? Right? Yeah. Um, what I does have, the bitch want? I have this, this story that, you know, we actually brought up at Christmas time that keeps getting brought up every Christmas. <laughs> it's a holiday tradition. But uh, since I feel like everybody knows it now, I'm going to say it. Like when I was a kid with my bowl cut and my name was Sam, right? Looked like a little schmale. We grew up back east and my dad got a new job. And so we had to leave New Jersey and move to California. And I love New Jersey. I was a tomboy. I wore umbro shorts. I wore freaking <laughs> soccer cleats to school. I, and, you know, I was accepted there. When my dad said that we were moving, I was shattered. I was like, oh, my God, I'm moving to California with all these basic bitches with perfect <laughs> spray tan bodies and <laughs> Pier 1 import houses. And, you know, I felt so alone and I was very bullied and oh, it was terrible. I think I had some some anger issues with my father because we had to move you know, subconsciously. How old were you when this was happening? I was in fourth grade. Yeah. And so my dad was my softball coach for one year. Yeah, he decided not to come back for a second year and coach me. <laughs> <laughs> one day my dad goes, hey, Sam, you're really fast, but you're not the best hitter. I'm going to teach you how to bunt. So he's like, let's go down to the park. And So he taught you to make cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at either bunting. <laughs> so we go down to the park. Got, he's got a huge bucket of balls. And this always goes back to my dad's balls. Um, and we, we, we take a drive down to the park. He throws me one pitch. And I miss the, I miss the ball. And I'm trying to bunt. The first pitch. The first pitch. So what do I do? Do I persevere? No. I throw the bat. And I go, bunting stupid. And I just throw the bat. At your father? Towards the foliage. I, not at him, but. And so my dad goes, you know what? 
you're walking home. And I'm like, whatever. I hate bunting and I hate all of you. And he <laughs> got in his car, drove home, and my ass walked home. How far was it? Um, <laughs> I wanted to say something really dramatic. It was probably like a mile. A mile uphill in the snow both ways. <laughs> it was more like 0.5 miles in sunshine. But, <laughs> but when you're you a know, kid, that's a lot. And, and, you know, we have this whole story that gets repeated throughout the holidays of like, remember what a little bitch you were. You when know, you were a child, you were a little shithead, you know? And, um, so <laughs> having to love that part of myself or look at that part of myself, forgive or, you know, yeah, takes a lot. What message were you not now? Cause you've done a lot of work on this, but as a child experiencing that, right? Like your dad throws a pitch, you miss. <laughs> And you have a very normal childhood reaction to it. And he tells you, what a sour little bitch you are. I'm driving home and you can walk. That if I'm bad, if I express anger or something, that's not good. Right. And, what, and then daddy's love gets taken away and life gets hard. Right? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Now you go into adulthood. Now you've learned you can't express frustration. You can't express your needs not being met. You can't express any kind of, you can't fail or be imperfect with men. Check, please. (laughs) (laughs) That is a huge fear I have in relationships. Huge of like, if I'm express like an anger or a sadness or a jealousy or something that they're going to leave. Right. When I'm angry or frustrated or I fail or I'm not perfect, love goes away. Now, what happens to those qualities? Damn. Failure. <sighs> That's a truth bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Failure, imperfection, anger, frustration. Where do those qualities go? Because they're not acceptable um, now. You suppress. Yeah, and they go into the... Shadow. Yes. The shadow doesn't like bunting or cooking. (laughs) Here is how it happens. These are what I call traumatic learnings. Things happen to us in life and we learn something important. These qualities are not acceptable. You know a quality that I was told was not acceptable when I was a kid? (laughs) To be weird. Mm -hmm. I remember... Being in an elevator with my dad and my little brother, I was probably like 11 or 12 or something. And I was just kind of looking out the elevator, kind of lost in thought. My dad goes, what the hell are you doing? You're being weird. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like. It's always about the dads. Why is it always the dads? But like at the time, I'm like, I felt shame and I was like, oh, I can't make other people feel uncomfortable from being me being weird. I was just lost in thought and I'm a kid, you know. But what I got from that was you cannot be weird. You have to conform. Mm. So outwardly, I conformed. When people meet me and they realize how frigging weird I am, they're like, wow, you do not. Your personality does not match your exterior. <laughs> I know. As I'm looking at your tribal tattoo right now. People are like, you, this is strange. You look like a Republican businessman. And then you, you know, <laughs> because I learned to repress that side of myself. 
Mm. Now, luckily, I found a way to express it through creativity and, you know. This is the thing about the shadow. Here's what you really want to do. You cannot fight it. If you go to war against yourself, you'll lose, but only every time. Because it's you that you're fighting. Mm. These bad qualities, these qualities that we are in judgment of, they're a part of us. And if we go to war with them, if we continue to hide or repress them, and we continue to tell ourselves we shouldn't be like that or shouldn't feel like that, they grow powerful and more and more dominant in the shadow. Mm. So what do you do about them? What the hell do you do? Well, you stop the war. You stop trying to fight yourself because it's you. What you do is you bring the light of acceptance to these qualities. You find a way to accept them in yourself. Mm, it's hard. So how do you, especially with like affirmations, I, oh. I sometimes don't. Hashtag triggered. I hate affirmations. <laughs> Tell me why. Okay. Here's the thing about affirmations. I wrote a blog post about this like 20 years ago, and I still stand by it. Affirmations. When you were 20. When I was a zygote. Affirmations are problematic. Affirmations bring problems. Here's why. Usually we use affirmations to try to change beliefs that we already have. Like, let's say we want to change our relationship to money. So we'll say something as an affirmation, something to the effect of, Money comes easily and frequently. And we'll post that on sticky notes and we'll- Money is the name of my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> he was money. That was just a lot of money shots. That wasn't really his name. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we'll write that affirmation. Mm -hmm. We'll write that affirmation on a post-it note and we'll stick it everywhere and we'll remind ourselves of it and we'll meditate on it and all this kind of stuff. Here's the problem. It's that same thing we talked about early in this show where it's like there's a reality and there's a story and the reality does not match the story. So your brain sees that conflict and it goes, yeah, right, bro. It does not like it. Mm -hmm. So when the affirmation comes in, it doesn't agree with what we already believe. Mm -hmm. It is rejected and it increases cognitive dissonance. Mm. So if you're going to use affirmations, use them either for beliefs that you already have that you're trying to reinforce or beliefs that are just a tiny stretch, just outside of the boundaries of what you already believe. If it's the opposite or very far from what you currently believe deep down, they're counterproductive. Mm. It's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. And your mind recognizes it as BS and it does not accept it. Your conscious mind is only 5% of your mind. If there's another belief in the 95% of your unconscious, when your conscious mind goes, I want to put this on a sticky note, <laughs> the unconscious goes, nope, not mm. buying it. I'm not buying it. So what do you do? Well, I just want to comment on that a little bit. This is, the, this is the thing that happens with a lot of us self-identified spiritual people is we're always reaching for the white light and we're always trying to be better versions and our better angels and we're always trying to optimize and be the best that we can possibly be. And, blah, blah. and that just makes a bigger, more powerful shadow of all the qualities that don't match that spiritual perfection that we're ascribing to. So it's very important that we recognize when we're striving for something that we're not at the same time in judgment of the opposite or in judgment of the things that we're getting away from. Yeah. 
Does that make Give sense? Give me an example. Okay. So here's an example. Let's say that you are an inherently angry person. Not me. Me. <laughs> uh, me too. Who am I kidding? <laughs> people are often shocked to discover that I have a lot of anger. And outwardly, I present this Zen master personality that cracks jokes and is very sweet and sensitive and all this kind of stuff. And I am all those things. But my anger is very potent. But it's been in my shadow for most of my life. Mm. Now, here's the other thing about things that are in the shadow. That energy becomes toxic. So you know what it did to me? It created crippling back pain, mm. crippling depression, crippling anxiety, because we're trying to hide it. It doesn't just go away because we're trying to hide it. That energy has to go somewhere. It has to be expressed. And if we're saying, no, 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 can't express it, it's going to be expressed somewhere, and it won't mm. be nice when it does. Mm. So it will cause you to have panic attacks, anxiety attacks. It will send you into deeper, darker, more frequent depressions. It will create pain in the body, disease. It weakens your immune system. It can wreak havoc on us. It's not like there is not a consequence. It's not like there is not a cost to keeping things shoved down in the shadow. Let me give you an example. You know, I came from a rough family upbringing. There's a lot of toxic negative emotions thrown around, a lot of abuse emotional and physical, it comes to me as a child that anger is bad because when people are angry, you get hurt. Mm. The people you love get hurt. So anger goes into my shadow. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. It actually becomes more powerful and more toxic. It seethes and it grows and it festers in the shadow. And because I can't let it out as anger, I can't express it in a healthy way, it finds alternative means of expression. It creates disease, pain, stiffness, suffering, depression, anxiety. I have powerful experiences of sadness and other, other negative emotions come out as a result of me shoving this thing down. So, you know, I embark on this journey to become enlightened, to become peaceful, and to get away from that old way of being. That just shoves that anger further into the darkness, further into the shadow. So it's okay to strive for things. It's okay to want to grow and want to change and become a better version of yourself. But the moment we have judgment and we're in denial of equality and it goes into the shadow, it is now working against us. And it is more powerful when it's there. It is more powerful in the shadow. So what do you do about that? What can you do? You bring acceptance to it. Now I find healthy ways of expressing my anger. As I can. Ooh, road rage. I wouldn't say road rage is a healthy, <laughs> healthy way to express it. Although I do let it out. Okay. I'm sorry, I've driven with you to Isle Wild <laughs> on our spiritual journey to Isle Wild. Get out of the way, chicken fucker. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I have this really. I'm sorry, but you are a Zen master. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that we can be both. Mm-hmm. We can be both a Zen master and have anger. Exactly. Like, that's my issue is that I have this idea of what a spiritual person looks like. Right. An ideal. Perfection. Yeah. Perfection and is so dangerous. When I'm sad or, and I'm like in a funk, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm spiritually weak. I'm not a spiritual great person. And then there's the judgment on it. Yes. Versus the acceptance and surrender to it. Yes. Right. 
Yeah, the judgment is always a sign that something's going into the shadow. So what do you do for healthy uh, anger expression? I have a dark side. I'm so shocked. Get <laughs> my shock face. I learned that when I let it be dominant, it didn't really serve me. I had to find a healthy way to express that part of myself. I can't kill it off. I can't get rid of it. I can't. All of those things serve to make it grow more powerful and yuckier than it was before. But what I learned is I can express it through my sense of humor. <laughs> That's a healthy way to get that part of myself out. And I have a terribly dark, <laughs> twisted, morbid sense of humor. Yeah. But that is... You know, some people would say that's not their taste, but that is a much healthier way for me to express that part of myself. I love that about you. It's one of my favorite things about you. That's sweet of you to say. And that's a huge thing, too, is when we can mm -hmm. be in acceptance of these qualities, we're being authentic. It goes back to like like my niece, who's eight, has a dark side. Yeah. She and and here's the thing is we it's are natural. Quick, it's normal. And we are we are so often okay to accept it in children versus adults. We find it charming in children. Yeah. Um, but then as we get older, it's like, oh, hide that, you know. And right. like my niece, you know, you the must other... become perfect heavenly robots. <laughs> <laughs> my niece the other day, um, I'm babysitting her and she's playing with this like tile board where you can like make messages in it. And she goes, Aunt Sammy, I wrote you a message in the tile board. And I'm like, oh, thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> what did you write? And I go over to the tile board and she goes, it's a message just for you. And I look down on the tile board and it says, die. <laughs> I'm like, Colleen, that's pretty dark. She's like, what? Death's hilarious. <laughs> How old is she now? Like eight or nine? Yeah. Eight. Yeah. That's that age where they start to become fascinated with death. Yeah. And she's like, death's, she's like, death's going to happen. She's like, I'll see you there. It's not a big deal. Like whatever, you know, eight years old. I wish adults had that healthy level of maturity about death. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do we usually tell kids about death? No, don't do. No, we can't talk about no, it. No, that's not no. nice. Be a good little girl. Be a good little girl. Santa won't come. That's how we train them to deny entire parts of themselves. Now, here's the thing. The qualities that are in the shadow, we don't need them to run us, but we have to acknowledge they're a part of us. They're a natural part of us, and they have a seat at the table. They don't have to be at the head of the table, but they need a seat there. If we deny them a seat, they become more and more powerful and toxic. It's important that we create space for ourselves to feel and express these shadow qualities. Find a way to do it. Even if it's in the privacy of your own home, even if nobody else knows about it, sit with yourself. Let yourself be sad. Let yourself be angry. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? Sometimes I can't joke the anger away. I have to go to the gym and wail on some weights or pound on a punching bag until I'm exhausted. What's the gym? I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I don't quite know because it's been a while since I've been there myself. Yeah, it feels good after. It's it like you've so let this uh, part of you out. You I'm, exercise the demons. I mean, ever since I've come to see you and done the work with you, it's like... When you've like that's some of the best advice I've ever been given in my life. Let's change of like allow yourself that time to cry. Yes. Like, 
pull the covers over your head. Yeah. Today, after like after the holidays, I was exhausted, and I just like came home, put on the little little Himalayan salt lamp. Himalala. Listen to Insight Timer, a meditation. Great app. Yeah. That's free app. Thank yeah. you, Laura Bolin, for that recommendation. Um, and it, I just listened to a a meditation that um, was all about remembering that you're worthy the minute you were born. Yeah. The minute you were born and you took your first breath, yeah. you were worthy. But somehow, despite journey, what the Catholic Church would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of original sin. It's like if remember when yeah. you were a kid. Remember yeah. that for and so like before like as I was crying I was like thinking of me being born like this 10 pound 10 pound fat ass baby. <laughs> um that who you know was so loved, you know, right away, you know. And so just going back to that. It's like some but somewhere in our journey we we feel not worthy enough or whatever. Yeah. A, a lot of that has to do with how we're trained to exhibit some qualities and not others. You're not worthy because you're not a good enough person or because you're a girl or you're a boy or you're too, you're too gentle, son. You don't work <laughs> with your hands. Whatever it is. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very you're individual. Not enough. Right. Or, right. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not girly enough. You're not manly enough. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, right, bro. Like, whatever. <laughs> Let's go to PB. <laughs> Let's go to PB and score some chicks. <laughs> whoop, whoop, Tinder. <laughs> yo, yo. There's a huge part of the shadow that we're not talking about. So there's something important about the shadow that I also want to get out there. So this is point number 17. There are gifts in the shadow. Mm, and that. they're not available to us as long as they remain in the shadow. Ooh. Does that involve like, do you think that, that there's empathy in, in embracing the shadow? Yes. More em empathy? Yes. Empathy comes from acceptance. If you can accept it yourself, you can accept it in others. Mm -hmm. What are the other good things that come from embracing your shadow? What I have found, and we're both artists, so I think you'll understand this very well. There's so much I'm stuff. A stick figure artist. I have really good drawings. <laughs> There's so much competing for our attention out there right now. There's so many forms of entertainment. There's so much media mm -hmm. available to us all the time. And a lot of it is junk. It's like junk food, right? But there's a certain type of art. There's a certain type of creative expression that grabs us. Mm-hmm. What is it about that art that grabs us? I find it to be authenticity. Mm -hmm. There's something really gripping about a photo of a, of a, of a horrible subject. Mm -hmm. Like a terrible humanitarian crisis happening somewhere on the planet. It's not gripping because it's pleasant to look at. It's gripping because it's the actual truth about who we are. It's the authentic truth. My sister has a, uh, a great, my older sister has a great uh, Christmas card picture this year for her family. <laughs> it's her, her husband, my little niece, and, their, and, my, and my nephew. They're all at, uh, Mon in Montana. I think it's um, Glacier. And um, they're all smiling on the Christmas card. And on their Christmas card, it's like this beautiful picture. And it says, hashtag blessed. 
And you look down at my nephew and he's flipping off the camera (laughs) and he's four years old, you know, and he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know what the middle finger means, but I like that picture because it is authentic. Yeah. It happened without them. It's that moment. Being that perfect picture. And like, it's not on the opposite, like this, this crap of everyone showing these perfect moments of themselves on social media. It's, it's. It's annoying to look at because, first yeah. of all, it's like the ones that crack me up are like the staged engagement photos. Yeah. And they're like, these are these photos were totally unposed. Give me a break. Barf. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Everybody knows that authenticity is has a high value. And so everybody's trying to emulate it. It's the appearance yes. of authenticity. That's why, like, you'll see some of these Instagram models and they'll be posing in these perfect pictures. And then in the text underneath, they'll talk about how imperfect and sloppy they are. And it's like, really? You're going to barter with authenticity as your currency to try to buy our attention because... Your photo is perfect, but you have to you have to make yourself seem relatable how you ate half of a pizza. Like, give me a break. <laughs> but it's hard because if that's what we're seeing, you know, yeah. it's easy to compare of like, oh, is, I don't have that or, right. right? And comparison is the thief of joy. Right. Compare to despair. Ooh. Yeah, it's not mine. I got it. Good one. Good one. Good one. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if we're getting if we're getting all the time, we're getting these perfect expressions of what life should be like on on Instagram and social media. The unconscious message that we're getting is my life is not okay. My awkward, messy, not perfect life is not okay. That's what I'm supposed to be. And what's wild is we've talked about this, like when actually you embrace the shadow side and you um, sometimes address it in front of others. Oh my God. You become the most powerful person in the room. Yeah. And actually it it creates more authentic connections. It does. Like I was, I was embracing my inner bitch the other day at work (laughs) where I was just not having it for some people's attitudes and, you know, some Somebody was walking all over me and I was just calling them out. I'm like, you know what? Don't, I don't like that or whatever. Or yeah. I'm, I'm tired of this or, you know, just. Yeah. Just, Which isn't even a bitch. You're just being a basic stand for the most common basic courtesies af- afforded to you. We have accommodated so much sometimes us nice people. We've made it a pattern to accommodate. And then we say, no, no more of this. And the people go, God, you're a bitch. I know. And then I was beating myself up at work because I was like, I'm a bad person. I like called people out and I. I'm a bad person because I stood up for basic yep. respect for myself. <laughs> but then I had this guy at work come up to me and he goes, I need to see this side of you more often. I like this side of yeah. you. Yeah. You know, and I was like, Yeah. Thank you. You know, yeah. like perfection is boring. It's so dull. And we try so hard to be that all the time. And it's not even possible. Perfection is a moving target. You know that scene in uh, Poltergeist where the mom's trying to run to the kids and the hallway just keeps getting longer and longer the Mm -hmm. faster she runs? Mm -hmm. That's perfection. You're never going to reach it. (laughs) You're never going to reach the end of the rainbow. That's why the pot of gold is there. It's impossible to reach. It becomes this Mm -hmm. harsh taskmaster inside Mm -hmm. of us that is constantly driving us to work harder, be better, be skinnier, be whatever it is. Like, be richer, be more successful, be more peaceful, be less angry, be the <laughs> holy. I literally had all of those thoughts within the last 10 minutes. Yes. 
Yes. Draining. So let's take a little break. We've been talking about the shadow and everything that it means and what do we do about it? What have we learned? The shadow is all the qualities you'd rather deny or don't know about. It's a collection of qualities or experiences that we don't want to consciously acknowledge in ourselves or others. We project it onto other people. And there's a huge, there's a huge thing about the shadow. And it's this. We think we're doing a good job of hiding those qualities, but nothing could be further from the truth. You can see my shadow. I can see your shadow. <laughs> we can all see each other's shadows. And we have agreed through social contract called politeness not to say. So I'd like to do a little exercise. So what do you do about the shadow? How do you find acceptance of it? So here's one way to do it. This is something I call a truth circle. I did this with my oh. meditation group many years ago. I was teaching meditation and we were working on the subject of the shadow. And I had the students do an exercise that helped them confront this shadow thing. Because it's very hard to do on your own. Because so much of the shadow is a blind spot for us. But it's helpful if you have a loving, supportive friend who's also not afraid to tell you the truth to call out some of your shadow qualities. So, Sam. You're an angry bitch. <laughs> You're an angry, weird bitch. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> so, Sam, would you mind doing a little uh, truth circle with me? Let's do it. Okay, so there are only a couple rules. One is you have to tell the truth. And two is you have to tell the truth with compassion, with the intention of helping me to see it and to grow. I love it. Okay. So okay. it's not a critique. Okay. It's not like this is a quality about you that, you know, blah, blah, is terrible. And is you this should. Is podcast going to end in tears? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You never know. So do you want me to start or do you want to start? So the rules are when it's my turn, I tell you quality that I think is in your shadow, quality I don't really like about you. Okay. Okay. Why don't you start with me so I can learn the language? Okay. An easy way to start this is to start with like qualities, qualities of the other person that you do like. So, Sam, mm -hmm. I really love and appreciate how funny you are. You're just naturally funny. You're gifted at making people laugh. Humor is just a part of who you are, and I love that about you. Yeah. I really appreciate about, that you. about you. Yeah. Uh-oh. Next, or do I give you? Yeah, now give me a light quality. Um, Jerry, I love how helpful and thoughtful and intuitive you are. Liar! <laughs> <laughs> That's three qualities. I'm sorry, I'm a better friend than you. Oh, <laughs> truth <Ooh>. circle, bitch. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you. That's very kind. Now, a quality about you that I don't like. Uh, so this can be hard with people that you like, people that you love, because, you know, you don't want to help make them feel bad or whatever. But that's the point of this exercise is to get authentic and be compassionate about it. Mm -hmm. So, Sam, a quality of yours that I don't really like is. Hmm. <laughs> you know it. You're just afraid to say it. Stop looking at me. Just say it. I don't like that you tell a story that. Your healing or growth is temporary or just for the moment. Ooh. I sort of feel like when you experience any kind of a breakthrough mm -hmm. 
or you like get resolution or healing on something, you're like, yeah, I feel good, you know, for now, for the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Uh huh. So there's that's true. So do you you find some truth in that? (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh yeah. What what did you say about me? That like you sort of pre-frame your your healing or growth is like, yeah, I feel I feel good for now. Like I'll yeah. sh- I'm sure I'll be miserable again tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely, I can find truth in that. Of like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like sometimes if I'm completely happy and joyful without like that worry on me, like it's like I use the worry as protection. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. If you can anticipate something bad happening, it won't sting as much when it does. Yes. And you get to be right. Ooh, yeah. I struggle with that a lot. Having to be right. Yeah, being right is the enemy of happiness. It's the enemy of joy. Ooh, good one. Thank you for calling me out on that. On that <laughs> sure. truth circle. Now I want you to call me out. And I want you to really go for the jugular. Take no prisoners. But with compassion. Mm, okay. The quality about me that you really don't like. Mm. I don't like sometimes (laughs) (laughs) how you sometimes don't tell me how you're really feeling about a situation. I'm fake. Sometimes I feel like since you are the Zen master and that you you don't want to burden other people with whatever's going on. I don't want to say issues or whatever, but like. That sometimes you go, oh, I'm fine. It's no big deal. Or like, it's not a big deal. Or you, you kind of brush it off. Yeah. Versus like your friends actually really want to return the favor to you and really want to help you. <laughs> Whereas because, you, but, but you've been, I feel like sometimes identified as the friend who helps everybody when you, when there's stuff that happens with you that sometimes I feel like you'll be like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, come on, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely truth to that. Yeah, it's sort of a dual call out because it's like there's a fakeness where I'm like hiding the truth. And then there's like sort of a fear of showing the truth because, oh my gosh, if, I, if things aren't perfect in my life, then I guess this means my whole, all my life's work is bullshit. Right? Like, if I have any problems, clearly it doesn't work. So it's like a, it's like a trying to maintain appearances for the sake of appearances and not burdening people, but also the darker side of that is like, no, 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 I have to maintain this illusion of perfection and Zen mastery or. But I will say that sometimes when I tell people that, you know, like one of my favorite things about you as a therapist is that you share personal stories. Yeah. You're able to be like, Hey, look. When I experience depression or anxiety, this is what I feel. And so it creates this safe space of me sharing. There's where I'm the like, empathy. Oh, he can relate to this. Yeah. Whereas I've been to other, you know, therapists before that are just like, tell me your problems. I mean, I never have problems, but right. you tell me yours. You know, right. where it's like yeah. this disconnect or you I don't, don't feel a lot of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not authentic sharing going on. So also right. that, I mean, there's a strength in that shadow. Yeah. Thank you for making it okay for me. 
Another quality about you that um that I don't like. Oh dang, we're just keep digging. All right, let's do it. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um I think you can be a little boy crazy sometimes. <laughs> yes. And you can put a lot of your own happiness and peace in the hands of like whether a dude texted you or whatever. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I've always been boy crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I have some judgment about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can find that. Yeah. Here's There's the thing. So I can too. Uh-huh. It's not just about you, it's about me, right? If I'm judging the quality in you, some part of that exists here for me too. So mm-hmm. I let mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. determine the level of peace or in, or happiness I have too. Mm-hmm. That is r- true and very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've been yanked around a lot recently by other people and their whims and what they do or don't do and I have allowed it to determine how I feel. So I judge that quality in you because it exists here for me. Because yeah. for me, like spiritual and emotional independence is a very virtuous, high quality. Well, the, the opposite of that is my sh- is the shadow, which is emotional dependence. I do not like that. So I don't like it about you because I don't like it about myself. Oh, God, no, I don't like it about myself either. Yeah, I'm so guilty of that. Oh, putting my worth into what? A guy thinks about me. Yeah. For sure. And I know where that comes from. Childhood. <laughs> well, looking like a boy. Looking like a little <laughs> looking like a little male creature and not thinking guys liked me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so traumatic learnings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the first boy that ever touched me punched me. So Jesus. James Adonisio, you little <laughs> You face. still remember his name. We always remember the name. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. Thank you yeah. for Yeah. I hear you. Now here's something kind of interesting about the shadow is, you know, perhaps at a young age you weren't girly enough. So you had to find alternative ways of getting that validation, right? So <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> well, there's that's uh, no. uh, that's a methodology. No, you could just, of course, of course um, <clears throat> that's sort of out of the scope of this show. But um, my uh, mom's listening to this. So I'm going to just say in the show, I did say I make an I made an inappropriate joke about the male organs. And then I said, Mom, uh, please. Jerry, don't put this into the show. I don't want my mom knowing. And then she texted me in this moment. Mothers always know. <laughs> she is very intuitive. And here I am again, trying to feel like a good girl. Right? And trying I'm to be an extra joke, good girl. And I want my mom to love me still after this podcast. <laughs> but no, I, I actually, to since I've always been boy crazy and I always wanted the attention of, of, men but i didn't think i was girly enough i tried to be the cool girl mm. by making like mm. the fart jokes or like the hey i'm i'm cool i'm a tomboy let's play sports yeah. and let's, nothing let's, bothers me let's we, watch adam hang. sandler movies and like yeah quote quote yeah. quote billy madison and whatever it was like yeah. it was my way of like let's go toilet papering like i'm a i'm a tomboy i'm cool with you 
to make up for this like this shadow side of like actually yeah. like I really just want you to like me. <laughs> but they always liked my best friend instead who was this gorgeous blonde. That was like <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. Totally. This is how clever the unconscious is. It it knows what it wants, it knows what it needs, and if it doesn't get it through the usual method, it will find alternative means. Mm-hmm. So if we're not getting it because we're girly princess, we're going to get it by being cool girl. And, you know, there's so many times where I've tried, you know, I've been like, I'm right in my story about this because I've been friend zoned by so many mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. you know. So I try to like validate my, my you know, my story by saying, see, see I told you they like the. They like the breezies because (laughs) (laughs) I've been friend zoned or I'm not pretty enough or I don't wear enough makeup or whatever. Yeah. That's not in your core nature to be that princess with the makeup and the nails and all that. It's not. Yeah. And if you tried to be that, you'd be in denial of a whole huge part of yourself that honestly is something that makes you unique and beautiful. Thank you, Jerry. Like right now, I have holes in my pants. I'm wearing Vans. And if I were to wear a wedge, I'd have back problems for a month. (laughs) So it doesn't serve me. And this is the thing about the shadow is as long as we're trying very hard and we're spending a lot of energy on managing it and trying to hide it, there's less energy for us to just be ourselves, to express what's true about us. And that's the thing, the authentic sharing and expression of who we truly are shadow and light and all of it is what makes us actually unique and what draws people to us it connects people in a way that nothing else does but it's not available to us until we can accept the shadow and reintegrate it bring it back into wholeness like you were sharing about your meditation it's the opposite of original sin it's original wholeness you were worthy from the moment you were born. You were yeah. worthy from the moment you were conceived. And I love that about you whenever I go to come see you. You always say, it's not about searching, it's about remembering. Yes, because it's already there. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I'm always like, how can I be better? How can I do something more? Uh, like, uh, How can I? How can I be know? a human doing, not a human being? Right. Oh, I have to be worthy, so I'm going to have to do this thing to be this other thing. That's not how it works. You just are worthy. Ugh. There's no doing that gets you there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a waking up. It's a remembering. But as long as there's all these qualities driving us in the shadow, we're not worthy. Speaking of shadow, it's my turn to say something else I don't like. Oh, I was hoping we could skip But that. here's the thing is that there's nothing else I don't dislike about you here's another quality about you i don't like is you're a fucking liar (laughs) uh there's everything else about you i love so now it's kind of awkward because you listed more things that you don't like about me than i did of you so moving on go for the jugular go for something in my blind spot that like it's hard to say just tell the tell the deep uncomfortable truth the more awkward the better Don't sanitize it. Don't try to be kind. Go for it. I'm going to have to think about this. I like everything about you. (laughs) 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 Um, I 
can literally, with any other person I know, list tons of things that annoy me, but I don't. So I just want to share. <laughs> I want to share a quick anecdote about. Got one. Go for it. <laughs> Tell too many stories, verbose. See what you got, bitch. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't like that sometimes you have a savior complex. Oh. Like at your grandpa's funeral. Oh. <laughs> you told me to go for the jugular. Well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of like, I stayed up till two making the slides. I did the programs. I made I made the napkin settings. I did, you know, that it's like all of these things that you're trying to do to uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, getting drinks for everyone. And then I'm like, Jerry, just chill the fuck out and be yourself. <laughs> yeah, I can find it. I can definitely find that. Uh, and I don't know if that's like a perfectionism thing or. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think a lot of it is like, I think I get a lot of meaning out of doing everything for everybody and I there's a aspiring to perfection. There's also a thing too that I'm like, it's really not a good it's really not a nice quality, but I'm trying to just prove that I'm better than other people all the time. But it's like if I'm doing more and I'm sacrificing more and I'm being more virtuous, I just get to be right about being a better person. You know? Thank you for your sharing because that's that too much now i'm like no god now was did i do too much no it's not possible to do too much no that was great because really tell every person i've ever met that. <laughs> <laughs> um it's something that my fiance recognizes in me uh he calls it supermaning he's like oh you're supermaning again and i have mm. to i have to pull myself back because i get into that mode and i just do everything and it's here's here's the ugly truth about it not all of that is good and virtuous. A lot of it is me trying to be better than other people. So I had to do the most at the funeral because I had to show everybody what a great person I am. That's not a nice, that's not a good, that's not a nice quality. But that's what I was doing. But I have all the evidence in my story that I'm the best person there. I designed the programs. I wrote the eulogy. I ran the technology. I stayed up till 3 a.m. doing the photo slideshow. And I was. You obviously didn't see me there then because I was eating free salmon and, <laughs> and hitting on your uncles that were giving me attention in their Tommy Bahama shirts. Who was this? <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Which uncles? I was giving them attention and. That we're needing some love. <laughs> yeah. See, the shadow, here's the thing about the shadow. There are gifts inside the shadow. They can be gifts of learning, like what we just what we just distinguished together about when I'm out there trying to be the savior. What's the dark side of that? What's the real truth about that? The whole truth. You want to be loved? I want to be loved. I want to be loved. I want to be seen as the best possible person. I always want to be the best at everything. But that's not because I'm inherently a great person. It's because I'm competitive. Mm. It's because I need to be right about being a better person. I'm invested in a story about that in my life. 
So a lot of my life I've spent just trying to be a better person, better than other people. Mm-hmm. And at least, you know, if I'm lonely and cold and <laughs> impoverished and not enjoying the fruits of my labors, at least I can know that I sacrifice more than everybody else. And I'm a better person than them. <laughs> this is the darks. This is the, why we do the shadow work. Because there are things there. There are nuggets of inspiration and learning for us that are not available until we start looking at them. And a lot of these qualities have gifts. So a quality that a lot of people have in their shadow is selfishness. Can't be selfish. Can't, can't be selfish. Have to be a good person. Have to take care of other people. That means selfishness goes into your shadow. Well, what is a light aspect of being selfish? We all, are, we all know the bad qualities, right? Like why it's bad to be selfish. But why could it possibly be a good thing to be selfish? Self-care. Yes. You're looking out for your needs. Yes. Because very few people on this earth are going to look out for your needs. If you're not doing it and they're not doing it, Who's doing it? Nobody. But at least you get to be the starring role in the drama about how you're the best person and give, 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 and nobody else gives to you. And it's just about how amazing. <laughs> That's a drama that I sometimes am starring in. <laughs> Co-starring Sam. <laughs> best supporting actress. So Best supporting actor <laughs> with my bowl cut. <laughs> but yeah, so... The, the, the gift of selfishness, which is the ability to see your own needs and take care of them, it's not available to us as long as that quality is existing in the shadow. But the moment we can bring the light of acceptance to those qualities we don't like, the gifts can become available to us. Power becomes available to us. You mm. created a conversation with a family member by just being authentic. You were, you were the most powerful person in that room. Because of your authentic sharing, because you haul things out of the shadow into the light. And that's very hard to do. Like you and I, we have a decade-long friendship. We have great affection for each other. It's easy for us to sit here and take pot shots at each other and laugh about <laughs> it. But it's it's a very high-stakes business to do that. It's not easy. Especially if you're acting on emotion. That's not the time you want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the time you want to call out somebody's shadow. That's, that is what we do. We'll weaponize it. We will call out somebody's worst qualities, the things that they hope that we don't see, the things that they hope that, you know, we never will and that they try to deny. We will call them out on it in anger. You're selfish. <laughs> you selfish prick. <laughs> How dare you say I'm selfish. They're just telling the truth. You boy crazy bitch. Right. Um, but here's the thing is like a lot of people aren't open to hearing about their shadow. No. No. So how do you have these conversations? Well, you don't force it on anybody. There's a, it's a very exceptional person, an extraordinary person who's actually committed to doing this kind of self-investigation. And not everybody is available for it. That's okay. Don't force it on people. You can invite them. Invite them over for... <laughs> for Truth Circle. <laughs> Truth Circle dinner. No, everybody go to the right. Look at the person on the right and say the thing you hate. Say the thing you hate about them. That's why you start with qualities you really like about them because that's easy. Listen, when I did this the first time, like students were going on and on and on about the positive qualities. I had to stop them because they were going droning on and on and on. Oh, I just love this about you and I love that about you. Then it came time to the negative qualities and they were like, there's nothing. <laughs> no, I, you're amazing. You're perfect. You're gorgeous. You're everything. I, I don't have anything to say that's negative. That's a crock. Shit. It's very hard to criticize people. 
because we're breaking that social contract. Now we're acknowledging we can see the shadow and we're verbally expressing it. That's very difficult to do. It takes a lot of courage. So it's not a conversation you force on people. There are just some people are not in that place where they can do it. I don't find a lot of affinity and interest in having a lot of friendships with people like that. That's part of my shadow. Shallowness. Shadowness. Shallowness is in my shadow. So I have a lot of judgment of people that I perceive to be shallow. But it's because I'm judging that quality in myself. So this is a rabbit hole you can continue to go down your entire life. And I encourage you to. I encourage people to have these types of conversations with themselves first. There is an amazing book about this. If you really want to take shadow work to the next level... It's a very small book, but it's something that I almost always universally recommend to clients in my six-month program. The book is called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by author Debbie Ford. It's wonderful. It's a thin book. It's, it's not James Michener. It's not the Bible. It won't take you long to read, but there are amazing exercises in the book that will help really get this stuff on the court for you, will help you look at your own shadow and get the gifts and help you see the shadow qualities in other people with compassion. Because honestly, if you think about it, if we were living lives free of judgment, free of judgment for ourselves and others, we would have peace. Mm. Judgment is what's in the way between Mm. us and peace, right? Mm -hmm. If we could accept with compassion, accept these shadow qualities in ourselves and others, the world would be an incredibly beautiful, loving, and supportive place an empathetic and compassionate place. So start start with yourself. Be like a bra, supportive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start with yourself. Support yourself first. Have this dialogue with yourself first. There's very rich territory to mine here. There's so many lessons we can learn by looking at this stuff for ourselves. Get the book. Do the exercises. Come see me. You know, Talk to a supportive friend that's interested in this stuff. Shadow work is the juice. It is the th- one of the things I credit with saving my life. And you're saying supportive friends, but also unsupportive friends, right? Yeah. Supportive friends, I should define what I mean. Sp- friends that don't support your stories and your drama, but friends that support your actual growth, your actual happiness. And those are not friends that just affirm that you're right about everything. <laughs> those are friends that will call you out with compassion when you need to see something that you can't see. They're not going to just, yeah, yeah, everything's about him. Yeah, he's really fucked up. Oh, that guy's such a jerk. Oh, she's such a, you know, no, that's not a really, Mm -hmm. that's not a truly supportive friend. They're supporting your drama. They're supporting your stories. And you're going to stay stuck because your friends don't have the courage to say, you know, have you thought about this? Something that you sometimes do in relationships is, you know, somebody's hitting on your shadow when it stings, when it lands. (laughs) (laughs) If it doesn't sting, it's not in your shadow. If people are like, it's like a fake job interview. Like, what's your worst quality? Oh, I'm too hard of a worker. Like, we all know that's bullshit. (laughs) We all know that's BS. But when somebody says something to you, offers you a critique, and it stings, it can only sting if you can recognize some truth in it. So anytime you find yourself in judgment of other people, which is a sting you send to them through your judgment, or something that stings when it lands with you, 
there's some shadow work for you to do. Something that stings right now is this broccoli gas I have in the corner. <laughs> okay, so uh, spoiler alert. We've already talked about the book for book of the month. <laughs> it's Debbie Ford's book, Dark Side of the Light Chasers. It's fantastic. Read it. Do the exercises. It's so tempting to just read books and just let it go. Consume it with your mind and then drop it and never make it work for you in your life. I know. I read Green Eggs and Ham last night and I just like tossed it aside. <laughs> I'm like, Sam, come on. You really need to step up your reading level. Um, I mean, Green Eggs and Ham is certainly it's uh, it's a work of literature, but uh, it's very tempting and very ordinary to read a book consume it with your brain and then say oh yeah i read that book i already know all that yeah who cares if you know it knowing is the booby prize is it working in your life are you making it practical are you utilizing what you've learned really getting it on the court or are you just living in the stands and just relating to it from a place of knowing because you could read a thousand books and know them all and it won't make a lick of difference in your life so do the exercises get this on the court this is transformative this is a huge learning that's available to you you don't have to come see me nobody has to know you're doing this stuff just get the book read it go down this rabbit hole because it's rich rich territory for you and your growth now that said movie of the month for movie club if you don't like to read books there is a movie called the shadow effect which is based on debbie ford's work and it's got Deepak Chopra and other people in it. It's got great teachers in it. It's all about the shadow. It's a great introduction. You can do both. I happen to like both. But you can actually get the movie on YouTube for free. I think it'll have Spanish subtitles, but it doesn't matter. It's the same movie. <laughs> so just search for Debbie Ford's Shadow Effect, and you'll be able to find the movie. It's about an hour and 20. It's a quick, quick movie. But still get the book, because the exercises are game-changing. They are life-changing. Now. That said, we're about to wrap up this episode. I just want to wrap up this stuff about the shadow with a couple of little points. What do you do about this? Now you've learned there's this shadow. There's these qualities you'd rather hide or don't know about. What do you do about them? You find a way to accept them. You can have these conversations, get the book, watch the movie. Grow yourself a healthy dark side. Go into the dark side because it's the denial of the shadow that makes it so powerful. The moment you shine a light on it and you start to integrate those qualities back in with acceptance, they don't run you anymore. Here's the thing about the shadow. It's running you and you don't even know it. It is selecting friends for you. It is selecting romantic partners. It is determining how you show up at work. It is determining what sort of hobbies you have and what things you enjoy and what you won't let yourself enjoy and you don't even know it's making all these choices for you this war between you and your shadow <laughs> this war she did that swallow sound to show you that it's really important that's what i tell all the guys <laughs> this sh this war with our shadow it can kill you it can take us down so hard end the war this broccoli gas can kill you as well. <laughs> and it has been killing me for the last two hours. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got Sam some stir fry from uh, some Thai stir fry. And it's. Uh, Thanks, Saffron. <laughs> hot box in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Sorry. Seriously. What do you do about the sorry, shadow? Sorry. There's nothing to fight it. There's nothing to do to fight it. Fighting it 
trying to stick more stuff back there. End the war. It's you. Those qualities are you. They're a part of you. Bring them back into the fold. They're a part of you. Find acceptance, love, and compassion for them. That's what to do about them. Now, if you can't see your shadow, do you know how you can easily see your shadow? Do you know the fastest, quickest, dirtiest, messiest way to get into shadow work? Ask a friend. Ask a partner. Get into a relationship. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because relationships are the best mirrors. Romantic relationships in particular are the best mirrors for every part of you you would rather not see. (laughs) Yep. So with that said, Sam, what is our next episode going to be about? Relationships. That's correct. Relationships. Look forward to that. Hopefully we'll be able to at least do a monthly cadence. Provided nobody else in my family drops dead or technology doesn't fail. Anyway, uh, (laughs) happy holidays. But uh, thank you guys for your patience. Thank you for listening to us ramble about the shadow. Listen to us ramble. You ramble. I, I sat here. You should have called out rambling as I one know. of the qualities. I am just realizing that now. Oh, also, I just want to say, Jerry, I don't like your rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that stinks because I can recognize it in myself. <laughs> I can't recognize it in myself at all. I don't know what I mean. I never ramble. It's like the thing is, is like yesterday I woke up. And like, yeah, I suppose I we should just sit here and with a timer and take two minute turns speaking like an insane person. No, I prefer to listen. I don't know words. Hashtag archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> we're going to take this conversation offline since Sam is now really coming for me, bitch. And... <laughs> <laughs> You know what I don't like is when you call me bitch. bitch. I am an independent woman. Can you find it? <laughs> find this, finger. Man, this is a Wendy's. Man, this is a radio show. <laughs> you can't just flip me off from behind your mic and expect the audience of one to get to get what you did. But thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> Reach out to us if you have questions. I love talking about this stuff. We know you like to ramble. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to choose a card from my rebel deck. Okay. So we're just going to ask the universe. We've been talking about the shadow. What do we do when we interact with somebody else and they really bug us? Like, what do we do about that? The card says, it's dark and you can't see a fucking thing. Get your head out of your ass. Pronto. (laughs) That's perfect for shadow work. Okay, Okay, well, that said, good night, everybody. We love you. This is the tail end of the show, literally. (laughs) Get out of the way, chicken fucker.